Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about Rwanda's Salima Mukansanga being chosen as a referee at the Men's World Cup. We also look at Nigeria striker Asisat Oshwala taking the award for the top scorer in the Spanish Women's League. And we talk about the top African players in France as Ivory Coast midfielder Seko Fofana took the award for the best African player in League One. This is a player who can do pretty much everything in midfield, um, defensively winning the ball, carrying it, picking in with goals and assists. That's coming later, plus Stewart on the final day of the English Premier League. But first, let's talk about Rwanda's Salima Mukansanga. She'll be part of a history-making trio at this year's FIFA World Cup as female referees will officiate matches at this year's Men's World Cup for the first time in the tournament's history. Mukansanga refereed at the Men's Africa Cup of Nations earlier this year. She's been selected as a centre referee as the Men's World Cup will have female referees for the first time. France's Stephanie Frappa and Japan's Yoshimi Yamashita have also been chosen to take charge of games in Qatar. They'll be supported by three female assistant referees too. And also male centre referees are chosen from Africa, the Gambia's Bakari Gassama, Algeria's Mustafa Gobel, South Africa's Victor Gomes, Senegal's Maget Njai and Zambia's Jani Sikazwe have been chosen to officiate at the World Cup in Qatar in October. So well done to all of those for getting picked for the World Cup in October. Now the final of the CAF Confederation Cup is on this weekend. Orlando Pirates of South Africa facing RS Bacan of Morocco being played on neutral ground over one leg in Uyo in Nigeria. Interesting in the semi-finals as Congolese coach Florent Ibenge oversaw the exit of compatriots TP Mazembe in the semi-finals. Ibenge leading RS Bacan to a 4-2 aggregate win over DR Congo's Mazembe in the semi-finals. And then the venue has been announced for the CAF Champions League final. It'll be played at the Mohammed V Stadium in Casablanca on Monday the 30th of May. Al-Athli of Egypt will play Widad Casablanca of Morocco in the one-legged final, which will be played in the home city of Widad. Uh, last week we discussed the controversy over Morocco getting to host the match, although they were the only country to make a bid. We'll look ahead to the final on next week's show. Now, in Ghana, Ashanti Gold and Inter Allies have been relegated to the third tier of Ghanaian football, with players and officials of both clubs also being sanctioned for match-fixing. A Ghana Premier League game between the two sides last September ended 7-0 to Ashanti Gold, with Hashmin Musa scoring two own goals as he claimed that he was trying to prevent a pre-arranged 5-1 scoreline. Now, Musa's claims and notifications of suspicious betting patterns were investigated by the Ghana Football Association, who found both teams guilty of match manipulation. As well as both teams having to play Division Two football next season, several club officials, coaches and players were banned from football. Um, quite a story there, Ida. 
And so, so unfortunate, Steve, that this scourge of match-fixing seemingly has no end. I mean, you remember the expose some years back that focused on match manipulation and specifically within Ghanaian football. Steve, you remember the fallout from that. So it's a shame and a big one that lessons weren't learned, at least by some. And betting is, of course, the main driver. And look, as long as it continues, then this vice will also continue. The developments come now, but the story itself is actually from July 2021, when Musa spoke to reporters about the manipulation after the final whistle. Musa himself banned for two years, but this was reduced to six months for his role in unraveling the fixed match, if you will. The respective head coaches, team managers from both clubs were all banned for two years. And in all, 14 Ashanti gold players were suspended for between two to four years. And as well as Musa, a further 11 inter-allies players and their goalkeeping coach were banned for between two to three years. Yes, and we would certainly want to see the end of match manipulation in football. Now, in women's football, Nigeria striker Asisat Oshwala has won the Pichichi, the award for the top scorer in the Spanish league. The four-time African Women's Footballer of the Year scored 20 goals in 19 games to finish joint top scorer despite missing two months through injury. Asisat shares the prize with Madrid's Gaisa Ferreira, who played eight more games than her in the Primera Liga. Asisat is 27. She's Africa's most decorated female footballer ever. She becomes the first woman from Africa to win Spain's golden boot. And really, Ida, we can't praise her enough, can we? And she makes it so easy, doesn't she, Steve? (laughs) Well, the 20 goals in 19 games you've mentioned there are actually part of 81 total that she scored in 104 appearances for Barcelona so far. And remember that this is the second season that she's hit the 20-goal mark with Barca. Now, that is after the 2019-2020 season. I mean, Steve, no wonder they want to keep her, you know? Oshoala recently signed a deal to remain with the Spanish Giants. That will be until the end of the 2023-2024 campaign. Now, with that said... You know, injuries have plagued Oshoala, and I'm sure that it's the hope for many that she will be healthy for what's coming up because it is a lot, and we'll get to that in a bit. But it's actually crazy to think about, you know, in line with that, what she would have been able to achieve with more matches under her belt because this is just testament, even more than testament, to her talent and her work ethic. And it's proof as well, you know, of her ability to mesh in well and be able to succeed, you know, in different settings. Because remember, Oshoala finished as top scorer as well. That was in 2017 in the Chinese Women's Super League. And you can see her now replicating that in Spain. Steve, it was a historic campaign for Barcelona. Not only did they go unbeaten, but they picked up maximum points with 30 wins in 30 matches. Next up for them, though, is something seemingly more difficult. 
one would assume, you know, it's the UEFA Women's Champions League final that will be on Saturday in Turin. And they will face Lyon, who are a force in the women's game. Lyon are seven-time holders, Steve, while Barca have one title to their name, the one they won last time, and it will be the one they will be looking to defend. And then after this, there's the Copa de la Reina semifinal. That will be on the 25th of May, which will be an El Clasico as well, as Barca continue their quest for possibly a historic quadruple. And Steve, while business on that front will be done then on club level, Oshuala will still have to lace her boots up again. And uh, she will look to set even more history, but this time for country, as Nigeria will head to Morocco for the Africa Women's Cup of Nations. The 27-year-old Steve will be looking to lead Nigeria to a 10th title. Oshoala, an inspiration for many, big inspiration for many in the continent, Steve. And to answer your question, look, we really can't praise her enough. (laughs) Yes, a great season that was for Nigeria's Asisat Oshoala. Now, as we get towards the end of the European season, in France, Lance and Ivory Coast midfielder Seko Fofana has won the Marc Vivian Foe Award, which is for the best African player in France's Ligue 1. He was a clear winner with journalists voting for the award. Ren and Mali captain Hamari Traore was second, and another Ren defender, the Moroccan Nayaf Agurd, finished third. The award is in honour of former Cameroon midfielder Foe, who died at the age of 28 after collapsing on the pitch during a Confederation Cup game against Colombia in 2003. Well, I'm joined now by African football analyst Solis Chukwu in Lagos in Nigeria. And Solis, you did mention a few weeks ago on the show that Fofana is, in your view, among the best Africans in the whole of Europe. So a worthy winner, would you say? And which other African players in France deserve a mention? To be honest, Steve, I don't think they could have picked a more worthy winner. Seku Fofana has, over the course of the last two seasons, at Lens been an absolute wrecking ball of a midfielder. I mean, this is a player who can do pretty much everything in midfield, um, defensively winning the ball, carrying it, picking it with goals and assists. He's a very complete profile in midfield and as as captain of the team, he fulfills a very important role in terms of leadership and inspiration. It's He's a real cornerstone for this long side, um, one that came up to Ligon two seasons ago and they've steadily punched above their weights every season under the leadership of coach Frank Heiser. So I think he deserves a lot of credit and all the plaudits he's getting right now. Um, he forms a really good partnership in midfield with um, Malian Chedukure, who is another player, I think, who deserves a mention. Um, he's They complement each other really well. Like I said, they have a very strong dynamic. And that makes Lance a very difficult side to get through. Um, I think they have one of the best defenses in Liga to boot. So... Um, those two, that double act there is really the cornerstone of a lot of their success. But um, Fofana himself is someone who deserves special mention because really, like I said, he's a very complete midfielder, great profile to have and um, someone who's, you know, very understated, but at the same time knows how to demand a lot from his teammates and push standards even higher. Um, Amari Traore and Aguirre, second and third respectively, can't really argue with that. 
Um, I get great midfielder, um, brilliant at the back for Ren, as is Amari Traore, who is also a great leader for the team. Um, very balanced right back and get forward and can also defend. Um, great leader, um, you know, very outspoken in the, in the Ren dressing room. So that's very well deserved. Um, I thought like, for example, someone like Moses Simon, could have gotten a little closer to the top of the voting in this award, but um, he kind of stalled a little bit. And make no mistake, not have had a fantastic season um, winning the cup, you know, and Simon played his part, um, to be honest, more than most in that success. But I think when you look at the trajectory of the season, around like um, February and March, his output kind of kind of stalled a little bit i think he missed uh, he missed like a game or two um due to like illness or something and then nigeria's unfortunate exit from the world cup kind of like affected him by all accounts i've heard that it took him a while to um get back into the right mental space um following that disappointment so that kind of slowed him down a bit but toward the end of the scene he picked things back up i i, I personally feel if he hadn't had that law he definitely would have been would have placed a lot higher in the voting um, really, when you look at French, French football, there, there's a very healthy African continent. A lot of players deserve a mention. Ashraf Hakimi, I thought, um, has been one of the shining lights for you know PSG. PSG won the league, but really, there's a sense that they've been disappointing in terms of like the team play and everything. Kylian Mbappe had a great season, leading the line for them and playing out of his mind. But in terms of like their transfer business last season, which was very heavily um, celebrated, really the only success has been Akimi. So he deserves a mention there. Sofian Buffal has rediscovered himself at Angers. Um, you know, Premier League fans at Southampton sort of knew him as this mercurial um, winger who you know can pull off a bit of skill, but at the end of the day, won't really carry it through well. He seems to have found an edge at Angers, and he's been superb. Um, Yunus Abdelhamid is a fantastic defender. Um, his partnership with Aguirre at Rennes is really strong, and that has propelled um, propelled, propelled them up to the European places. So, yeah, a lot of really important, impressive players there to to pick from. But in my eyes, yes, Eko Fofana is head and shoulders above the rest. Yes, and many thanks there to Solis Chuku in Lagos in Nigeria. Uh, congratulations uh, to Seko Fofana for taking the Marc Vivian Foe Award in France. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, to social media now, and last week we asked, does God mind who wins? We heard from Luton Town Manager Nathan Jones, uh, Luton having made it to the championship playoffs, and Jones is a committed Christian, and he told us that he believes that God is interested in every part of our lives, whatever job we might be doing. But we often see players, coaches and fans praying for victory before a match. So we asked, do you think that God will answer those prayers? Does he mind who wins a match? Well, let's start with Auntie Marie in Sierra Leone, who says, so why should God mind when both teams trained hard for victory? To me, I think the victory will always be on the side of those who mastered their hard work and their teamwork, says Auntie Marie. 
Belong Badgie in The Gambia says, soliciting help from God in both trying times and non-trying times is a must. Uh, but whether God minds who wins or not uh, is my doubt. And Kevin Miri is in Nigeria. He says God is not partial. The best will win or draw. And Aga Austin, also in Nigeria, says all I see is grace. This is because every team trains before going for the game. Most of the time, the team that prepares very well will win, but they might sometimes lose even after their prayers and those of their fans. Then Stanley Ohaeri in Nigeria says that God helps the team that's most determined. And Hassan Kanu agrees, saying prayers or no prayers, God is with the team which played with all determination. Kevin Foster is in France. Sir Kevin says God is not partial. The best team wins or it's a draw. And Ebube Obi says sometimes I laugh when I see teams praying before a football match as if God is not with the other team too. Football's all about hard work, tactics, teamwork and experience, not prayer, says Ebube. But others did feel that praying before a game can make a team victorious. De Eleko Aya Levy in Nigeria says, Our God is a God that makes the impossible to be possible. Edet John Orok, also in Nigeria, says, It's my opinion that whoever puts his trust in God and does his work well, God can smile at him. For he says, if we seek him, we shall find him, if we do so with all our hearts. Hence, any team that has faith in him, while doing their own part and training for the task ahead, may receive favor. That's just an opinion, says Edet. Then Mikhailu Musa Aliru says, God is always behind anybody that believes in him and that makes a point of praying. Jamiu Da Choko Clemson in Nigeria says, It's God that determines who will win the match at the end of the day. It's not by team performance, so I believe that the prayers do work for the teams that have faith. And Ahmed Bussari says, Haven't you had the experience of a team playing so well but ending up losing a football match? You can never rule out the importance of prayers before a game. God knows the outcome of everything you indulge in, be it football match or any of our daily endeavours, says Ahmed. And as Stephen Habibu is in South Sudan, as Stephen says, totally it is with the grace of God. And uh, finally, others took a more practical approach. Ayil Dayuke says, We always pray before our matches simply not to get hurt, and sometimes for luck to be on your side, says Ayil. And Ongera Miregwe Efan in Kenya and Ebube Obi in Nigeria both say we mostly pray for protection and we let God do his will. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments. Uh, very interesting. And uh, let's go now to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Uh, now, Stuart has worked as the Olympic attaché for the Togo Olympic team in the past. He's worked as a Christian team chaplain, giving support to team members who come for support. And Stuart works with many track and field athletes at major athletics meetings around the world, giving them spiritual support. Um, so, Stuart, uh, many sports people do seek Jesus and pray to him, and some do win. Uh, many lose, uh, some get injured and uh, go through difficult phases in their careers. So uh, how do they benefit through praying, and what difference do you think faith in Jesus can make to a sports person? Well, first of all, Steve, what a lot of brilliant answers we got. We certainly have many thoughtful listeners out there. 
And as some of our respondents said, it's certainly difficult to work out to what extent victory comes as a result of skill, hard work, tactics or teamwork, experience or even luck compared to the role that faith or prayer might be playing. And then there is the very big question of what should we pray for? And I'm so much in agreement with um, Aeol when he says we should pray that no one gets hurt more than that the team should win. And Ibubi puts it really well when he said pray for protection and then let God do his will. I remember talking to Sihil Domerho, the former captain of Ivory Coast, who told me that he used to pray before playing, but he also wore a ring as a kind of good luck charm, even a fetish. But then after being challenged by his sister, who was a strong Christian, he took off the ring, threw it away, and said he was going to trust God only in future. Oscar Iwolo, the former captain of Congo, told me the story of playing his first game for his country and that there was a tradition that all the players touched a fetish as they went out of the dressing room before the game. He refused to do so, explaining that as a Christian, he put his faith in God, not in superstition. And he was really pressed, he told me, to do it, with people saying to him, look, it's your first game, you're the youngest player, and you're doing it for Congo. But he refused to compromise, and then he was the best player in the game, he said, and people noticed that. And it reminded him, he told me, of the words in the Bible, where God says, the person who honours me, I will honour. And he was determined to put God first. Now, as a chaplain, I'm sometimes asked to pray for someone before they compete, and I'm very happy to do so. And I always pray that they will prepare well and compete to the best of their ability, stay fit, but I'm much less comfortable praying that one particular person should win and therefore that another should lose. But, you know, if you have a strong religious faith, then faith is not just something for Sunday or Friday, but for all of life. And when I had the privilege of talking to Kaka, the Brazilian who for some years was regarded as the best player in the world, he told me, in Brazil, there's a tradition of praying before the game and also at the end of the game. And so the Brazil team prays before we go out onto the pitch to play and also at the end of the game. And he spoke particularly about the 2002 World Cup final where he and some other players formed a circle to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, he said we had already prayed before the game but in the end... We want to make a circle. Normally we would do it in the changing room, but this time we felt we should do it on the pitch in front of everyone with the players, coaches, staff as a prayer of thanksgiving. And in the Brazilian culture, that was just a perfectly natural thing to do. So to sum up, I'm convinced that God is as interested in sport as in any other aspect of life. And speaking as a Christian, it seems perfectly natural for me to pray about sport. But as so many of our respondents have said, praying for a win is a very complex business and there's no guarantee of success. The result of the prayer may rather be to help us to accept what God has for us. 
Well, thanks for that. Uh, so Stuart's got a great experience of working as a Christian chaplain uh, with uh, sports people. And uh, you can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and uh, go through the conversation there on uh, Does God Care Who Wins? Right, next on the show, let's focus on the action in the English Premier League. It's going down to the final day this Sunday. And despite Man City dropping points last weekend, uh, they still have the upper hand over Liverpool, Stuart. Steve, we just couldn't have wished for a better end to the season. The Premier League is still in the balance. One Champions League place still to be decided. The final relegation place is still to be avoided. And similarly... The third club to be promoted from the Championship will be decided when Nottingham Forest play Huddersfield Town. Liverpool's midweek win at Southampton was a bit of a struggle. They had to come from behind and they had a winning goal coming from a really unlikely source, a Cameroonian head belonging to Joel Matip. And that, of course, was following Manchester City's draw at West Ham meaning that Manchester City now still need to beat Aston Villa on Sunday to be certain of winning the league. Liverpool at home to Wolves. Tottenham will finish fourth if they avoid defeat away to already relegated Norwich. And the fixtures for the three clubs just above the already relegated Watford and Norwich are Burnley at home to Newcastle, Leeds away to Brentford and Everton away to Arsenal. Incredibly, Steve, Leeds United have scored 90-minute goals seven times this season. Without those late goals, they would have been relegated long ago. Liverpool won the FA Cup, but only in a 6-5 penalty shootout. Incredibly, this year's League Cup and FA Cup finals were between Chelsea and Liverpool, and they played for a total of three hours without one goal being scored. Steve, I need to talk to you about Africans and penalties. With Manchester City drawing 2-2 at West Ham, City were awarded a penalty, upstepped Riyad Mahrez, knowing that if he scored, City would effectively be league champions. But he put his kick too close to Fabianski, who made the save, continuing the drama into the final day of the season. Now, Mahrez is such a good player... But he's not so hot with penalties. He's scored seven penalties in the Premier League, but he's missed six. And this was the second time he's taken a penalty against Fabianski, and both times he's failed to score. And since you asked, Steve, Harry Kane is the penalty king, having scored his last 15 Premier League spot kicks. And just another one for you. Fabianski... That was the 21st penalty save by a Polish goalkeeper in the Premier League. More saves than any other country. Now, at the climax of the FA Cup final, Sergio Mane stepped up to take his penalty, knowing that if he scored, Liverpool had won the Cup. But he had a problem. The normally confident penalty taker was facing an old friend. The Chelsea goalkeeper was none other than Edward Mendy, his Senegalese teammate, and Mendy saved Manny's kick. Liverpool still won, meaning that Manny finished with an incredible record this season of being involved in four successful penalty shootouts, winning the FA Cup and the League Cup for Liverpool, and for Senegal winning the AFCON and securing World Cup qualification. He seems to like his penalty shootouts. And now, talking of penalty shootouts, Steve, a Norwegian professor of sports science 
Gear Yordit posted on social media that Thomas Tuchel took too long to decide who his penalty takers were for Chelsea in the cup final. He said, in contrast, Jurgen Klopp chose five players very quickly and according to the psychologist, he gave the players longer to prepare mentally and they were more ready than Chelsea. Uh, Jordan said, a penalty shootout is a psychological game which starts with how the manager communicates. And Liverpool, in my opinion, he said, were 1-0 up before it began because Klopp's preparation was better. Interesting thoughts there. And now the Championship playoff semi-final between Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest also went to a penalty shootout with Nottingham Forest's Congolese goalkeeper Christian Samba saving not one, not two, but three of Sheffield United's penalties to take his team into that playoff final against Huddersfield Town. Right, and the playoff final will be on the 29th of this month. Uh, that's next weekend. Uh, thanks, Stuart. Uh, before we go, this week on social media, we're asking, who do you think has been the best African player in the English Premier League this season? Uh, with the season ending on Sunday, who would you give uh, your verdict to? Is it Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Riyad Mahrez, or someone else? Who do you think has been the best African player in the English Premier League? You can post a comment on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think has been the best African player in the English Premier League this season? Well, that's it for this week. So from East Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.